0: MRN Crew Call is
1: brought to you by Hercules Tires. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of MRN Crew Call here on MRN.com. Mike Bagley here with you. Hope you're doing well. As we continue our return to racing, we're going to visit with NASCAR President Steve Phelps on this show today. We're going to find out where we're going with the sport. We'll talk schedule, current events, and a lot more with a man who is involved in the decision-making process. That is coming up next right here on Crupo. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top 9 miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. Now we're joined by NASCAR President Steve Phelps here on MRN Crew Call. Steve, welcome to the show. How are we doing today? I'm
0: doing great. How are you doing, my friend?
1: Doing great. Today, not a lot to chat with you about, but today is a big day for our sport. Uh, this day is normally in May, but due to the COVID nineteen pandemic and such, we have pushed Hall of Fame voting day and now Hall of Fame announcement day to today. This this is a pretty this is a pretty big day for our sport, isn't it? When we get to honor some of the people that have contributed so much.
0: Yeah, it's, it's listen. I I feel fortunate to be on the panel that um, you know that chooses um, both who's being nominated as well as those that are getting in the Hall of Fame. Um, it's a it's one of the most special things I get to do as, as an employee at NASCAR. And I know they are all, you know, you hear all the stories, you know, from the different folks as they're um, talking about the candidates and, you know, whether they haul worthy and, you know, who gets in when and uh, making some really compelling stories. So it's great to hear from a lot of the historians of the sport, you know, we've changed the, you know, how the, the voting happens with both modern era and then pioneers. And I think it's just a, I think it's a really, um, I think it's a really good change and excited for uh, the results to come out this evening.
1: We used to uh, induct five, and now we're going to induct three, two from the modern era and one from the pioneer era. And then, of course, the landmark winner. What what created that change? What brought that about?
0: Yeah, I think, Mike, if, if you you know, we had to catch up with other sports, right? Because we didn't have a Hall of Fame. And so a decade of putting people in five at a time, and I think that really worked for us. Um, we we're starting to see, you know, then the question is, well, how many is the right number, right? And how do you make sure that the folks that are going into the Hall of Fame are Hall worthy? Um, because, you know, hey, if you're Richard Petty, um, you know, <laughs> you, you're at a pinnacle, right? And then, so what's that threshold between, you know, Richard Petty, Dale, uh, Dale Earnhardt, you know, David Pearson, and then what's it look like below there? What should be that cutoff? That's dissimilar to where baseball is, a certain number of votes or whatever. So I think it was really trying to get to what um, this idea of, of Hallworthy. Um, and then I think the split between modern era and then pioneer. I think there is some concern from, from folks that, you know, the pioneers are going to be forgotten. And so I think it was a really an you know, elegant way for us to make sure that, you know, that those that were, you know, the pioneers of the sport are getting their due. Um, and I, and I think you'll, you'll, know, you'll see that as the, as the votes come out and, uh, you know, not just this year and as we move forward, you know, looking at, at those pioneers, because I, I think the modern era, um, you know, I think there's some really um, incredibly um, visible uh, members of our sport who are going to come up for Hall of Fame um, and nomination. And uh, so I think we'll see some, you know, some folks that are, um, you know, it, 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 people would say, oh, that makes sense that they're in there. And if they're overshadowing the pioneers, you know, I think it was a really, a really good solution for us.
1: Let's shift gears here, and I guess we'll go in most current and then work our way back. Announcement coming that the All-Star Race is moving to Bristol Motor Speedway, and the cars are going to look different. They're going to slide the number over to just in front of the rear wheel to give it a little more sponsor placement there on the door. What brought about that adjustment? I know we've had that in other series in the sport, but what's brought it now to the Cup Series?
0: Yeah, well, two things. First, I would, let's start with Bristol. Um, you know, we really want to race in front of fans. Um, and, and it just, it's not the same without fans. We had a, a very small number as, as you saw this past weekend at Homestead with um, military members and their families, first responders and their families, um, whether wasn't our friend there as, as, as we know, but it was great to see fans in the stands, even in limited numbers. So as we go back to Talladega this weekend, you know, having more, so it's kind of a phased approach to getting us there, but it was clear that we were not going to get the approval from, you know, the county and the governor in North Carolina to run our all-star race with fans. And so worked with Marcus Smith and and Marcus really leading the charge here to push it to another one of their venues. Um, And I mean, uh, the all-star race at Bristol, I I can't even imagine how great that's going to be. You know, no points on the line, just, you know, you know, checkers or wreckers. I think it's going to be really spectacular. Uh, on that front, uh, with respect to the the second part of the question and the, the moving of the number, you know, I think All Star historically has been an opportunity for us to test things, um, and I think that's exactly what we're doing with this. You know, the teams had asked us to take a look at this. It provides additional visibility for sponsors, um, and, and so that's something we'll test. And I, you know, looked at you know the MRN poll, and you guys were talking about it this morning. You know, it's forty four percent don't like it. 56% do or don't care. Um, so you know, we'll evaluate it. Is the right thing to do? Is it not the right thing to do? Um, you know, I, there's, a, there's a vocal minority on a lot of things, right? I, I know there's some folks that came out and said, hey, listen, this is not for me. I don't like it. So we'll, uh, we'll take that all under consideration. And as we move past All-Star, we'll, uh, we'll see what it looks like moving forward.
1: I know that there's a fine line, preserving tradition and catering to a core fan and then moving on and trying new things and so perhaps catering to the new fan or the potential fan that may be out there. What is that challenge like, trying to cater to two uh, parties here that are, that are obviously very valuable in the sport?
0: Yeah, you, you know, Mike, I think there's um, not in every instance, but I think there are instances where you can actually do both. Uh, I don't think you have to have the two at odds with each other. You know, sometimes that's going to happen. But, you know, for us, you know, we've talked about, you know, hearing from the core fans, and and we do. uh, And we want to hear from the core fans of what they have to think. traditional fans. Um, There are certain things that, you know, we want to try out or we believe is in the best interest of the sport after collaborating with our industry and saying, you know what, this is something that we should test. And this is one of those, um, you know, one of those opportunities. And I don't know whether it appeals to a, a newer fan versus a, you know, a fan for 40 years, you know, these, you know, these, uh, you know, the changes in the paint schemes. But, you know, again, it's, it's one race, it's the all star race. You know, what better time to test something?
1: It seems like that the, um, the headwinds have been pretty strong with, with change. And, and I want to say get buy in, but there's been a lot going on in the sport. And it started last week. NASCAR's taken some pretty definitive, strong positions on social matters, whether it be, Black Lives Matter, racial injustice, um, you know, it's Pride Month for the LGBTQ community, also banning the Confederate flag. Where has all of this come from? Why now? And what's it been like navigating these waters now in what I just mentioned has been a week ago that these announcements were made?
0: Yeah, listen, it, it was a difficult week to be sure. And it's not like these things happened overnight. They did not. Um, these are conversations that we've been having for a long time. Um, you know, we had a um, you know, we had an attempt at banning the conf- Confederate flag in 2015. And we didn't really get industry buy-in on doing so. Um, it was important for us to do that, and I think part of that has to do with you know what's going on in society right now, what, contextually, what's going on around us. Um, and I think that um, you know the the management team here and the collaboration that we receive from you know the SMIs of the world and the independent race tracks and the community at large that everyone felt that this was the right time uh, to do this. Um, I'm not suggesting that, you know, we as an entity um, and as a sanctioning body are the place for social issues to bubble up and display ourselves. I think I would go with really kind of where Baba Wallace has been on all of this as it relates to the flag or, you know, kind of, um, you know, what's happening in society is why don't we just, you know, listen, try to understand what's happening out there and then just have compassion for each other. You know, our, our racetracks and going to races, that should be fun for everyone. Everyone should feel welcome there. And that's really what we're trying to get to. So this, you know, this inclusiveness um, really is meant to be just that it's not meant to be exclusive. Um, you know, we don't, we want everyone going to racetrack to feel like, Hey, this is a party. This is fun. Um, you know when you and I go to the racetrack, Bagman, it, it's fun for us, right? We, we, there's no place we'd rather be than at a racetrack. Um, it's awesome. There's a segment of the population, including you know Bubba Wallace and his friends and family and other that would go there and they'd be like, "I don't feel like I'm welcome here. I, I don't. There are people here that are displaying symbols that to me find offensive, right? And and that's all he's saying, which is, "Hey, why, why would we?" why are we displaying things that make people feel like I, I don't want to be here? Um, cause, cause uh, we want to welcome the sport to everyone. You know, when you take a first time fan to the, to the racetrack, you're proud, right? You're representing as an ambassador to the sport, what's going on in our sport. And it's like, this is why I love this sport. I'm going to show you. Um, and that's what we need to do. And so the celebration that is coming to the racetrack, that's something that we want for everybody.
1: Now, as it pertains to the flag, obviously, when we open up the racetrack and fans come back in, that policy could be tested. What will the enforcement be like on that?
0: Yeah, you know, Mike, it's a, um, we're working through what that looks like. Obviously, we will be tested this weekend at Talladega. And, you know, it's a, it's a multi-stepped approach that we're going to, um, that we're going to employ. You know, we we want to appeal to people's understanding of hey, listen, this is a decision that we've made, and it's a decision that we need to enforce. Um, So there are multi layers to what it looks like and different steps that we're going to take. I won't get into that now, but but we are going to enforce it. Let's
1: shift gears again, and let's talk about scheduling midweek racing and such. We've had some midweek racing, and I know that some of that midweek racing has been punctuated with rain and delays and whatnot. How do you gauge success? This is something that a lot of us have been wanting for a long time. We've gotten it. How do you determine if it's working or not?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I think that, um, you know, part of it is we have had rain, right? Um, And it's been difficult, you know, trying to get back to some, you know, getting the schedule in. Our our first and foremost, our our thought process was around getting every race in this year. We think that's really, really important, particularly as you look at these other sports who are looking at truncated seasons and, you know, true cancellations not just postponements ours ours have been postponements and we want to make sure that we get a full race now obviously there have been some racetracks that we will not go to this year that we wanted to go to chicago sonoma um you know it's unfortunate um but we needed to do what we needed to do in order to get those races in you know some midweek races i think have been a, a ton of fun you know the I think the going in and having a one-day show is something that we have have shown that we can do. It might be something we can look at as we move forward. Whether um, we'll see that in 2021, I'm not sure. We're working through those things right now, obviously, pretty fluid right now with the 2020 schedule. But pretty soon we'll be, you know, we we've already announced Nashville. We need to start to announce what the balance of the of that 2021 schedule is going to look like. Um, But I think it's been fun. Um, I I love going to the racetrack uh, on a Wednesday night, Um, and we'll have, you know, you know, potentially, you know, some more uh, mid races that we'll talk about in kind of the balance of the 2020 schedule when we release that soon.
1: And that was going to be my next question. We had the wave of races most recently up through the beginning of August and, and New Hampshire. When might we can expect? the next wave, or will it be the rest of the schedule? I know things are still fluid because of the hot spots that are popping up around the country. How important is that, and how does that affect what we do or don't do going forward the rest of this year?
0: Yeah, I think um, if you look at it, we are, we'd are we love to announce the, the balance of the schedule. Um, we'll do that probably in the next, you know, 10 days, two weeks. Um, you know, if we can do it sooner, we'll do it sooner. We just need to make sure that, we have the approvals necessary from the various governors and, and we are feeling confident that the balance of the schedule, we will have that. And then it's really, the question is, all right, once you have those approvals, what do they look like? Can you race in front of fans or are you going to race, you know, without fans? So right now we are are racing in front of fans in Talladega and a limited number. The following week we're going to go to Pocono. We will not have fans. Governor Wolf has made it very clear that we are not approved to have fans at Pocono for that weekend, which is disappointing, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to get out Governor Wolf; he needs to run his state the way he he needs to run it. Um, but it was going to be a, a party that everyone was really looking forward to going to um, for that for that weekend at Pocono. Um, but we'll go there and we'll run the races. It um, will get some more learning about cup races back to back. You know how that's going to work. You may see that later in the year as well, but. You know, it would be nice to get back to a place where, you know, every single facility we go to will race with fans. Um, and, and, you know, I imagine when we go to Texas, for example, you know, we'll have fans there. We announced All-Star, um, you know, going to Bristol. We're going to have fans there. So those are, those, those are exciting things for us. So a l- little bit of a balance with fans, without fans, with fans, without fans that we'll have a little bit. Then ultimately you will get to a place where we'll just be racing with fans.
1: I know that a lot of fans are looking forward to that. We're looking forward to having them back. It's a weird place to be at a racetrack with race cars on the racetrack and no fans there. I got a taste of that for the first time at Homestead over the weekend. So we want them back as soon as possible. We appreciate all you're doing. We appreciate all the management team is doing. And basically, the sport is back, and we continue to make those baby steps. And we appreciate all the efforts to get us there and take us forward here as we continue to navigate this fluid situation of these uncertain times, it's, uh, it's a lot to digest and a lot to process, but we appreciate all the efforts that are going on behind the scenes right now.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate it, Mike, and appreciate your time. I think the one thing I would say at the end is this doesn't happen without the collaboration of an entire industry. It just doesn't. So, you know, our race teams have been phenomenal. Racetracks, um, you know, those that we don't own, obviously the ones that we own, it's a lot easier. Um, the drivers themselves have been phenomenal. I, I just the OEMs, the sponsors, everyone kind of coming together as an industry that has created uh, the opportunity to be the first major sport back uh, without fans, the first major sport back with fans. Um, you know, drawing some great numbers on television, digital, and social, and, and pushing this sport forward. So, couldn't do with all I mean, everyone's support um, and and really. And we talk about collaboration, how important it is for our sport. It really is. And, you know, really proud of where the sport uh, has gone over the past three months.
1: Citywide to countryside. Whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules Tires has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there, no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTire.com. There, you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTire.com. Hercules tires, ride on our strength. Thank you so much for joining us on Crew Call this week here on MRN.com. Before we go, got a reminder for you. We're having some fun on social media, and we want you to be a part of it as well. We would like you to be a part of our big NASCAR tailgate. Follow us on Twitter at MRN Radio. Use the hashtag NASCAR tailgate. And coming up this weekend is another opportunity for you to share pictures and videos. We want to see man caves. We want to see food spreads. We want to see how you're watching the race. This was fun. A lot of folks chimed in at Homestead last weekend. We hope you'll do the same this weekend at Talladega. Again, on Twitter at MRN Radio, hashtag nascar tailgate load us up with all the pictures and videos you can we're out of time for this week we thank you so much for joining us and we'll join you next week right here on mrn's crew call i'm mike back so long everybody mrn crew call was brought to you by hercules tires